Hi, and welcome to Hedge Fund Tips podcast and videocast for the week ending March 20th, 2020. And I'm Tom Hayes, so checking in after a very bumpy, volatile week. Uh, hang in there for sure. It's uh, It's been a tough one, but uh, we're going to walk you through some of the things that we're seeing and uh, give you some thoughts for the weekend. So this is episode 22 on the video cast, episode 12 on the podcast, and we'll just kick it off quickly. Uh, thanks to Abhishek Vishnoy for including me in his article last Thursday on Bloomberg. And the key point I made here was when companies start to rally on negative news, dividend cuts, pre-announcements, that can start to be a sign that things could be turning. So uh, I I would think that that we're going to cover that today. But um, what we want to start to see is some good action on bad news. And, And that may be days away. It may be weeks away. We don't know. But watch it in individual stocks, and um, and that'll start to give us some some uh, some tells on on what's going on. And also, Abhishek, thank you again. Um, this one was just about the shutdown in the Philippines, which was related to uh, quarantine in place. Thank you again here for Sen- Senjana Shivdas and Meta Singh for including me in Reuters. And the point that I covered here. Uh, this was yesterday. There are two things that the market's awaiting. One is a big stimulus package, and it needs to be bigger than a trillion dollars for sure to help all the workers who are going to be out of work for a month or two. Um, and so that's the number one thing, big st- uh, stimulus package. And when all is said and done, it's probably going to be two trillion. They'll start with a trillion or a trillion three, which will be great to get checks out right away for the people who aren't able to work. And um, and the second thing that you're going to need is a little bit of color on drug approvals and treatment. We started to get that uh, yesterday with the uh, the press conference, the malaria drug, the hydro hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, and also the Gilead remdesivir. Uh, for those of you who are watching the video cast for the first time and seeing me on camera, that's just because uh, this was the first time I did a Skype interview because of the uh, um, recommendation that people don't travel. So I had my suit on. I figured why not do the little camera on the bottom. So uh, if you if you like that, let us know. Otherwise, we'll go back to normal. Uh, it's probably better without my face, to be honest with you. Uh, okay, so that's that. Then the next thing that was uh, the Wall Street Journal. Um, thank you to Z Wu, Akane Otane, Caitlin Ostroff for including me. This was only in the Asian version. And basically the point was if we can see cases peaking in the next three to six weeks and the stimulus package is large enough to hold people over, we may be starting to near a bottom. No one can call a bottom, but those are the things that we need to see. We need to see that the curve is looking more like China, South Korea, Japan, Singapore than is looking like Italy. And I, I think that's going to be the case. But, you know, as the, as the testing picks up, the, the cases are going to shoot through the roof and you're going to see, you know, days like this, which is partially liquidation, by the way. This this seems structural. Some funds are unwinding. Uh, some of the risk parity guys, as the correlation of stocks and bonds goes closer to one, they have to puke it out because they're over leveraged. 
So, you know, this is just going to be part of that volatility. We did hold the lows. We'll see what happens on Monday. Um, and then wanted to thank Sean Langlois for uh, including me in Market Watch today. And he basically um, took some key points from the article we're going to be covering that we wrote on yesterday, the Spanish flu, cuckoo, cachoo, and he highlighted them in Market Watch. So we'll go into that in more depth in just a bit. And then today's Yahoo Finance with Shauna Smith. Thank you uh, for including me in your uh, show today. And we did that, as I said, remotely from uh, the home office in Connecticut. Third floor is all mine. Uh, I like working remotely when I can, but now you're kind of forced to. So uh, uh, that's okay. That That's uh, no problem. We have the technology now, and, and a lot of America is still working. And, and for those who aren't, we got to get those checks out right away. And like the president says, think big. More is better. Get people the money that they need to, to be held over in this tough time. The thing I said in, in this, they, they quoted, uh, you know, that that the Goldman numbers are coming out and Bank of America's numbers coming out with big contractions. And the numbers are all over the board because no one really knows. They're taking anecdotal unemployment claims from different states and extrapolating out. Um, you know, so they have contraction figures between 8 and 24 percent for Q2. I mean, nothing is impossible. So what I said was, yeah, it's going to be a sharp, it's going to be deep recession but it's going to be my 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 estimate is going to be very short provided the case curve uh goes quickly and we can get a treatment drug going very very quickly because you got to think uh jim kramer was talking is getting you know people who have been sick getting them back to work so if they're sick for two weeks and then they no longer test so getting the test to test people to see if they have it and then a test to see if it's if it's gone they're pretty much immune they can get back to work you know there was an anecdote on cnbc a gentleman was talking uh, a large financial advisor how his clients are all business people that have their supply chains in china and they're telling him that the supply chains are up and running back nearly a hundred percent and we saw that in with disney starting to reopen parks in shanghai uh, Starbucks reopening the stores, Apple reopening the stores in China, no new cases in Hubei, Wuhan uh, for the last few days. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We know what we have to do. I think people are getting very serious about uh, not being out and about. Let's just nip this in the bud and move on. So yeah, we'll have a big, deep contraction, which people will call a recession, but it doesn't have to be devastating. If people get the checks, we get one to two trillion stimulus. Let's let's look at the economy. Twenty-one trillion dollar. Let's call it a twenty-one trillion dollar GDP. Let's just use round numbers. Five trillion a quarter. If we have a twenty percent co uh, contraction for one quarter, or let's say ten percent contraction two quarters in a row on average. So maybe it's you know eighteen and two, or you know something in that ballpark where you get to like two quarters, which would be closer to the worst case scenario type of situation. So that's, um, you know, you're looking at 5 trillion. So 20% is a trillion, call it a trillion three, a trillion five. Hmm. That sounds very similar to the size of the stimulus package that we're looking for. And that doesn't even include, uh, which I covered on this show. I, I would suggest if you have time, click on the featured on button and watch this Yahoo finance appearance. Shauna Smith show today it was about a six minute segment and kind of went to a frame of reference that that you may find helpful but um 
you know, if you're talking a trillion, trillion of three contraction, that's going to rebound. And, and I do believe the administration, they're talking there's going to be huge pent up demand. The quicker we get through this, the more the demand. So I said, you know, we'll have a sharp, deep recession contraction, but it could be very not felt. In other words, you'll, you'll get by the the academic definition of a quarter or two of contraction, but it doesn't have to be pronounced with the amount of getting we're getting ahead of it that that's the key they're getting the stimulus out hopefully we'll get a big package that gets done by monday and the other thing is that i was just going to say is the federal reserve has increased their balance sheet 950 billion dollars no one's really talking about this uh since august and more than half of that's come in the last week and a half so that once you see the cases start to peak and you get the first day and we're, you know, probably a couple of some odd weeks off from that. But but once we get that first day where the next day is the same level or lower than the previous day and all this stimulus starts to kick in and people have checks to hold them over and hopefully there's forbearance on loans so businesses can, you know, keep their places. So when it's time to go back they've got the business and people can go back. I mean, it's, they're threading needles here, but I think it can be done. Um, you know, while it's going to be sharp, deep contraction, it's also going to be, I think a sharper, quicker, more serious rebound. And we just don't know if that's going to be Q3, Q4 or Q1. Uh, I think if we get this, the cases to peak here, uh, you know, they're estimating by the end of April kind of time frame. Um, or March, you know, kind of March, April time frame, we could rebound very, very quickly. And then you have all that stimulus pent up in the system um, and all of the liquidity that's been provided that, you know, the, and the Fed funds rate cutting down to zero, which by the way, the cuts take four to four to six, eight months to, to trickle to the system. The bond buying starts to work right away. Um so there are a lot of things that can, you know, as sharp and deep as it can go, we might be able to rebound just as quickly and, and just as aggressively coming out of it. And again, it just depends how quickly we get this case curve. So if everyone's following the guidelines, uh, we, it can go a lot faster than, than people think. So that's, that's good news. Uh, on Tuesday, we covered the Bank of America, March Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey results summary. I thought this was very interesting. It triggered a buy signal. It wasn't a complete extreme. So they did do the caveat. The, sen- the sentiment was close to, to the great financial crisis. Um, so it triggered a buy signal, but they also said, you know, it could go lower, uh, uh, you know, based on what, what they've seen historically. And, you know, that's that's a sensible thing to say. Um Biggest drop in growth expectations on record. So, you know, people got got nervous as the market dropped. Opinion follows trend. Um, Biggest monthly drop in global expectations since 1994, since the survey started in 1994. So a lot of gloom here, and rightfully so. We are going to have a deep, sharp contraction. And the key is, can we have a deep, uh, not a deep, a um, strong, very fast rebound. And the stimulus is there. It, it It's just going to matter how quickly we can get through. And, you know, some of that's going to come down to treatment. I like that they're pushing this malaria drug because uh, from some of the things that I've seen, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I did ask doctors on Twitter, um, the earlier you get this medicine in you, the quicker you recover. So it's like if we could get these, and it's very inexpensive, 
Um, and then you've got the remdesivir that seems to be on the cusp for approval for more severe cases. Uh, but you can research all that on your own. That's, you know, that's specialized knowledge that would come better from someone else. But there are things percolating. And a week and a half ago, nothing seemed to be percolating. The, the remdesivir trials had just started. No one was talking about the malaria drug that's worked in other places around the world anecdotally. And now we've, we're getting millions of these pills. I think Bayer donated some. Myelin is, is starting to produce some. I think Teva is starting to produce some. So maybe we can... Um, you know, get get people taking this early and getting through this sooner and getting back to work, which would be uh, very good for the economy. Equity allocation obviously shot down this month. Um, the thing that I found most interesting of the whole survey was that uh, investment into banking stocks was the lowest since July of 2016. Uh, so I basically went back to look at what happened in July of 2016 that the weighting was so low for managers. In other words, managers wanted nothing to do with banking stocks. Well, what happened in the next 18 months was that banking stocks had an 80% rally as a group, which means some of them rallied 150%, some of them rallied 30%, but you know, the XLF rallied about 80% in a year and a half. Now, there are all kinds of conditions that are different, but it shows you kind of the level of sentiment. The other thing that's very interesting, so why is everyone selling banks? Part of it's afraid of the defaults, et cetera, from energy. That, that, that's the big thing, by the way. We'll cover that. If they can get something done with Saudi Arabia and Russia, which I think now it's, there's not a choice. Something has to get done. It'll save the credit markets right away. The banks only have 1% to 3% gross uh, total exposure, um, so it's not as big deal of a, for the banks. The other thing that people are worried about is how are the banks going to make money with the yield curve narrowing. Uh, that will widen as the... Um, as the deleveraging stops, you know, as, as people stop the panic selling, um, you're going to see that widen. And the best time to buy banks last year was in August, uh, late August, right before the, right after the yield curve inverted, and everyone was worried about the same thing, the yield curve. And look what happened. You had a 20, you know, call it a 25-ish percent rally, rally in, in a quarter. Uh, so that means some of them were up like 30, 40%. Some of them were up 20%. But this was a huge rally right after the yield curve inverted and people didn't want nothing to do with the banks. They want nothing to do with the banks right now. So we'll see if this story plays out in the coming year or so uh, where, where we get a bounce in, in banks. But uh, I think that's interesting. The most crowded trade is long U.S. treasuries followed by long U.S. growth stocks. So treasuries according to this, should be overdone. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have to see some uh, mitigation of the forced selling. And some of this, you know, is, um, is uh, you know, funds unwinding that got caught on the wrong side of this and, and got, uh, um, uh, you know, basically blindsided is, is what it comes, comes down to. And some of it's from, like, risk parity strategies, I think, have $200 billion of assets uh, you know, they have a great strategy that works over the long term. They go long stocks and long government bonds and they wait to the bonds because there's lower volatility. And then to get the returns, they lever up. But the leverage ratios on some of these are too high. And when that correlation, that inverse correlation that they depend on goes closer to one, they have to delever. And, and, and when volatility levels hit certain uh, 
heights, they have to automatically delever. And the problem is because there's 200 some odd billion dollars, they're all doing it at once. And that's why you're seeing that kind of like 10% up, 10% down. And that's part of it. Some is fund unwinding and some is people panicking and some is people getting to safety. And there's all of that. That's, that's part of the market. So um, that's the global fund manager survey. Uh, biggest tail risks are obvious, okay, uh, the pandemic um, and global growth expectations. So, oh, and also inflation expectations dropped 71 percentage points from in a month. So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, no one's expecting any inflation when we're going to be borrowing probably $2 trillion and the Fed is probably going to increase its balance sheet. I don't, I don't know how much more, but, you know, call it another 500 billion at least and, until we get the case curve flat and then they'll start to, to tighten a little bit. But the good news is, which we had talked about for a year, is that they fully unwound quantitative tightening. So quantitative tightening from 2016 to 2018 was $785 billion of liquidity that they sucked out of the market. They've now replaced that 785 billion and they've added more. So it's 950 billion. So this should be very stimulative once we can just get some clarity because everyone's basically shooting in the dark. Um, you know, I used the example of last week of driving in the country. There are no streetlights at nighttime and all of a sudden your headlights in your car go out. The first thing people do when they can't see is they stop. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is, you know, sooner or later, dawn comes and the sun comes out and then you can start driving again so as we get more case data or some breakthrough with a treatment drug the vi the vaccine will be months from now not till fall or winter at the earliest but a treatment drug then we can get some comfort around how long does it take to pe people to heal um how quickly can we get people back to work? How quickly can we get the checks in their pocket? Taxes got delayed. I've never seen an administration in my life do so much stuff so quickly. Like the last week and a half, two weeks, you know, you can say what you want about before that, but but I would say in the last week and a half, I've never seen so much stuff accomplished in such a short period of time. So we just have to have patience with one another and uh, everyone's going through a you know tough time. Kids are home, homeschooling, all the kind of things that you have to deal with. But... Uh, but we'll pull through this. So let's get back to the markets. Uh, this was the article, the Spanish flu cuckoo cachoo stock market and sentiment results. So what I talked about here is um, when you can't adequately grasp the fundamentals because the data, I mean, you know, uh, FactSet has 2020 earnings at down, you know, they took it way down from 175 to 169 and change. God bless them if they're right. I think it's going to come down a lot more. But keep in mind, 2022, I'm sorry, 2021 is still at 190, which which potentially could be more realistic. Even if it came down to 185, as we get the rebound and that stimulus kicks in, uh, we could be very cheap relative to 2021. 2020, we have no, you know, we don't know what it's going to be unless unless we can get to peak case within the next, you know, three to six weeks, then we'll then everything will become clear. Now, what does that have to do with investing? Uh, well, the model I looked at was the Spanish flu of 1917 to 1918, and what was interesting about it was that they first became aware of the flu in early uh, 1917, which was right right in here on the chart. Um, 
And basically, it was an epidemic at that point. It hadn't spread to pandemic status. The market started to discount the worst case scenario. By the end of the year 1917, the Dow Jones Industrial Average crashed 33.47%, give or take. So it's interesting because that's what's happened to our Dow Jones. I think we held the lows of uh, this week's lows. So I think our peak to trough discounting the worst coming forward is we're down 32.5. So right in the same range of what it was for the Spanish flu. Now, here's what's interesting. It then became a pandemic, which we are in right now. And the worst month of the pandemic, meaning the most deaths, and in the case of the Spanish flu, they didn't have medicine, they didn't have experience, they didn't have uh, the ability to mobilize the way that we have, the technology, the experience, etc. But the worst month, of they lost 3% of the global population, which was 50 million people at that time. Our mortality rate is much lower and not that many people are catching it. And we have a roadmap from China, South Korea, Singapore, Japan, uh, etc. So basically, the market discounted the worst. The most deaths were in October of 2018 right here. The market had already rebounded 35% off the bottom by the worst month in the pandemic. So when I said on Yahoo today that, yeah, we're going to have a deep, quick recession, um, you know, by the time they declare that, in other words, you get that quarter or two of uh, negative growth, negative GDP, we could potentially have, you know, if you wait for them to declare a recession, you've already rebounded, you know, it could be 20, 30, 40%. So... The market discounts what, what it believes is the worst case. And in this case, it did it 10 months early. It, it, it hit its lows. And, it, and while, while the news was getting worse, the market rallied 35%. So right now we're getting bad news. We're pricing in the worst. We're down 35%. We may go lower. We may go a lot lower if the curve goes wrong. If we go, look more like Italy than uh, South Korea, you know, we could go lower. There's no question about it. So we're not trying to pick bottoms here. We're just trying to have a frame of reference when the fundamentals are fuzzy, what happened in worse scenarios than now, and how did it work out? And then, you know, a year and a half, you were at all-time new highs. In, in the case, by 1919, you were at all-time highs in the case of the Spanish flu. That doesn't mean that we're going to follow that model at all. It's just something to keep in the back of your mind that the market is a discounting mechanism. So here, in early 2017 when it was just an epidemic and people were worried that it might be a pandemic, the market started to discount that risk and collapse 33.5%. Uh, 30, and then from 1917 to 1918, you rebounded 35% as the epidemic became a pandemic and got worse and deaths got worse. So um, we, we've priced in, a, you know, if you're going to have one or two months of deep, sharp contract, one or two quarters of deep, sharp contraction, the market's trying to price in as much of that as possible. And it feels like it's priced in a lot of that. Now, we we as a practice don't try to call the market per se. What we focus on is individual stocks. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But this is what the 2019 Dow chart looks like as of the lows this week. And I think we held these at the close. So um, 32.3, but let's say we didn't and it's 33 and a half, then it would look exactly like this in uh, 1917, the Spanish flu. 
Again, does not mean it will repeat, but it's, it's, it's worth having these things in the back of your mind. The worst part of this crash is gonna be before the worst part of the pandemic, as is the case with any economic future that the market is discounting, good and bad. It rallies before, it get, before the economics get really good, and it crashes before the economics get bad, etc. So it's a discounting mechanism that looks out in the future. Okay, uh, the second part was Spanish flu cuckoo cachoo. Cuckoo cachoo, <laughs> for those of you who are a little bit older, was from the Beatles song, The Walrus. And if you look at the Urban Dictionary, uh, it's a slang way of saying that things are gonna be fine and reassuring goodness. And you know we're obviously not there yet. I mean. Honestly, when they closed down the NBA, I think that's what the day that it hit everyone like a ton of bricks that things are going to change for the next couple of months. And, and that was like a huge wake up call. Rather than drinking the coffee, someone took the scalding hot, uh, coffee and poured it on all of our faces while we were sleeping. But that was kind of the turning point, I think, for a lot of people. And um, so we're not there yet, but we do know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And hearing those anecdotes from China, the supply chain, uh, from that uh, gentleman on uh, CNBC today was, you know, we saw it in the pollution maps, the pollution's picked back up. We saw it in the daily, no new cases, but you know, we were always skeptical of that data. Um, I'd like to start to see the Australian dollar start to rally. That would, that would be uh, a better tell because their de uh, economy is more dependent on uh, China than, um, than many others and, and their data is accurate. So when their business picks up because of China, that, that might be uh, something to also consider. Um, okay, now the, the, what I said about, uh, forget picking the bottom in the stock market, what about the individual stocks? So the framework that I talked about in the Yahoo clip from today, which again, you can find here under featured on, it's the first link. Um, is what if you owned a hundred unit apartment building that you paid rental that paid you rental income for the last 10 years? Let's say it's a, your family owns it or something and you, and it's just been in the family for decades and it's just paid rent over and over vacancy rates, maybe moved a few percentage points every year. You get some vacancies every now and then, but you got rent, uh, you know, uh, every single month. So it was an income producing business company and you knew that, even though you've got this pandemic and you know the future's uncertain, they just shut down uh, shelter-in-place California, shelter-in-place New York, two big big parts of the U.S. economy. So you're worried that you might not get any rent for one month or two months or or God forbid six months. Let's say it was six months, which it's not going to be, but let's just say it was. And then after that, we'd come out of this, and for the next 20 years, you'd get rent every single month and you'd have this beautiful asset like you've had the last 10 or 20 years, you'd have for the next 20 years, but for the next one to six months, you may get nothing. Would you sell that income producing asset today for a 50% loss, 50% discount on the basis of not getting rent for the next one to six months? And by the way, you're probably gonna get, you know, 50% of the units or 70% of the units would pay you the rent because they're working from home and doing their thing. But maybe 30% of the people work in the restaurant and entertainment business and they couldn't pay you and you gave them some leeway. The point is that most people would never sell their building, even if they were gonna get zero rent for the next one to six months, they'd hold on to it because they know for the next 20 years it would pay. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about buying, the market is now 
for structural reasons, people deleveraging, liquidating, etc., offering up some of the most highly quali uh, high quality companies. And I'm not talking about fancy growth stories. There'll be a time for that in the future. Right now, we're talking about staid, boring companies that have been around for decades and are going to be around for decades more uh, that are trading like that. Okay, so like it's obvious that we're going to have a contraction for a quarter, maybe a quarter and a half if we get through this quickly, maybe two quarters if it's worse than expected. But they're trading, for instance, Wells Fargo's down 52% in the last few weeks. It's got a 7% yield. Now, some of these dividends might get cut, but that is that business going to do 50% less, less business, Wells Fargo, you know, a year from now than they did last year or two years from now than they did last year? No way, okay? Is United Technologies is down 56% in the last few weeks. Are they going to do 56% less business next year or the year after than they did last year? Very unlikely, okay? Pfizer's down 30, 27%. Are they going to, are people going to take 27% or 30% less medication next year than they did last year? Cisco down 35%. JP Morgan, best in class, down 42%, yields 4.3%. So, you know, basically people are puking out their apartment building because they're not going to get rent for a month to probably a month to two or three months, and it'll only be 30% of the building that can't pay you. And they're selling this beautiful asset for 50% off. And that's what people are doing with these beautiful companies. So if you think about it like a business, do you want to own a piece of this business for the next 20 years that's selling at a 50% discount? By the way, it could go to a 75% discount. But if you think two years from now, it's going to be back to the level it did last year or higher, most likely higher, um, then do you want to buy it at a 50% discount? Because if you do, by the way, when it reverts to the mean, you'll be up 100% plus, okay? That's not to guarantee that's going to happen, but if you think about it logically and you have a one to three year. Now, if you're a day trader and you're trying to beat computers and professionals, good luck. I mean, that's a good way to lose a lot of money. If you're you know, panicking or acting on fear, it's, it's a tough time. But if you're calm and saying, okay, if I buy JP Morgan at 41% down, am I going to puke it out if it goes down 60%? And if the answer is yes, then don't buy it. If your answer is no, I'm going to nibble judiciously and cautiously every down day, uh, buy a little bit when I, when I can, uh, not above my means or comfort level, but sensibly and diversify. You don't want to buy six banks and then they all go down and you, know, you buy one drug stock, you buy one bank, you buy one industrial, you buy, you know, uh, uh, you know, diversified, high-quality companies that are trading at huge discounts, that have solid balance sheets, that you can look out one to three years. We think there's an opportunity, and we think it could go lower, but we want to be involved so that if it goes lower, we'll add a little more, and if it reverses, then then we took advantage of the sale. And that's all we're thinking about here. Uh, not giving advice, just saying what we're doing. Check the terms, um, you know, for for all that stuff. But I'm just sharing. From experience, you know, the best book in the business is the one that Warren Buffett recommends is Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. And he talks about these these type of opportunities. I mean, you're getting high the highest quality merchandise at clearance sale discounts and the, and the sale may get cheaper. There's no question about it. Uh, so save some powder. But, you know, there, there's a pony in this pile, as, as my first uh, hedge fund boss used to say, there's a pony in the pile. Uh, that, that, uh, that's for sure. So, um, what's needed for a big turnaround? So we need the package done. 
trillion plus to start, it's going to be a trillion. It's probably going to be two trillion. We're going to get checks out to people that need it. That that's key. We need to see a little more movement in the drugs. This was a big movement. The remdesivir and the um, hydro hydroxy chloroquine okay for the doctors out there the malaria the cheap malaria drug that works uh in other countries they got to get through those tests get those out there the other thing is chamat papatia he i I, I'm, i'm not pronouncing his name right but i always like to see him speak he was on cnbc this week he talked about getting these dollar tests from china of all places uh that has um I think it's an IgE test. And his basic thesis was, let's get 300 million of these tests out because probably a lot more people already have had the coronavirus and don't even know it, and they can go back to work. So his thesis was, what if 60 or 70% of the people show the IgE levels rise, showing that they've already had it and have immunity to it, um, then 70% of the population could go back to work. The 10% of people at risk, 65 and above, can stay self-quarantined at home, and then as they get better, they can come back into the workforce after you know two weeks, and then they take a test. But I thought that was really important, and I hope they saw that on halftime. I know a lot of important people watched that, uh, but we should definitely, for you know a, a, a dollar test for 300 million people, we should just get those out to everybody right away and see if that thesis is uh, possible before we get the malaria drug treatment and the remdesivir and everything else going on. Uh, The short-term surveys this week aren't of much use. Um, You know, bearishness rose. Um, uh, Fear and greed's down to extreme levels. Statistically, you're paid to buy at these levels. And uh, equity exposure dropped down to 15, so managers are basically out of equities, which is usually a turning point. We, we shall see. So um, our advice was the same as last week, selective nibbling, not reckless all in, maniacs, but on down days, nibble on high quality that's down a lot that you don't care if it goes down another 10 or 20%. You probably have a decent dividend in the meantime, even if they shave it a little bit. And, you know, two, three years out, the thing is, if it recovers, you know, if a 50% drop recovers just to last year's business level and rates have gone down, so the multiple when things recovering should stay high, you have 100%, you know, type of situation in some of these. Uh, And if it takes five years, it takes five years. But um, there is opportunity here if you're open-minded. So that's the basis of this week's um, webcast uh, video cast and podcast. Um, we'll put a lot more of these indicators. You know, I have, I look at about 200 different indicators last weekend just to kind of see where we were. And I'll just show you a few. Like this is uh, equity put call ratio, 10 day moving average. And I did it all the way back to the crisis. You know, and at these levels, when you get down, uh, when you shoot up this high, it's usually towards the bottom, towards the bottom, towards the bottom. Now here in 2008, a number of these indicators are pointing to levels at October of 2008. So if you bought at October 2008, you were a couple, two, three months early before the low in March. So, uh, you know, about a quarter early. But so what? If you if you took the one, even a one-year view, you were, way, you were up huge. Uh, obviously, three- and five-year view, you made an absolute fortune. So... That's the way we're thinking about it. Here's some more indicators. You can you can just see they're all kind of at these levels where you either have bottoms 
or in the worst case scenario, it's October 2008 and you have a few more months, but you still get the rebound long term. So if you have a one to three year view, there's something to do. If you have, you know, a one week view, uh, I, you know, just be careful. And, and that's all I can tell you on that. Um, you know, again, these type of elevated levels near bottoms, 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 bottoms. And then you have the exception in 08 where it was October and you had to wait a few more months. So, you know, there are a couple hundred of these things. They basically all say the same thing. We're either at, you know, nearing a bottom or we're three or four months off because it's such an extreme unquantifiable situation. But then I go back to the Spanish flu and it discounted a lot of the mess very, very quickly. Obviously circumstances were different. Theirs was much worse by the way and their correction was about the same. Uh, but there are, things to do, there are opportunities to look at, and you know, as far as turning points go, I think we covered that in one of the articles, uh, it's been a long week. Um, basically, when individual starts, stocks start to rally on bad news, that's when you'll know we're getting near a turning point, at least for that stock or for that company, you know, taking guidance down, even a credit downgrade, uh, God forbid, or um, taking down guidance, etc. When you start to see them closing green on bad news, you'll know that it's like, okay, the market's priced in close, to, you know, and that's what I've been saying for a couple of weeks is what are the stocks that the market is already pricing in close to the worst case scenario? And I can live with the stock here even if it falls another 20% looking out a year to three years. Uh, and not all the stocks are pricing in the worst case scenario. And those are the ones that, you know, we're not getting involved with yet. Um, but some of them are, are really close in our view and, um, and that's where we want to be focused. So I hope you found that helpful. Um, uh, I, you know, I'll try and promise you don't have to look at my face next week. I'll go back to just uh, uh, doing the normal video cast. But uh, since I had the suit on, I figured why not? Uh, stay safe. Follow the government guidelines. We're going to pull through this. Uh, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. And thank you so much for listening in.